Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fab Four Free For All. Thank you very much. And welcome to another edition of Fab Four Free For All. But for this week, we are going to be Merck Blackett. <laughs> because we can't do the show as Fab Four Free For All because of the topic. So we're going to do it as a different group. We're going to do it as Merck Blackett. Merck Blackett? In, in Merck Swedish. Blackett. Merck Blackett. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Merck welcome to another edition of Merck Blackett. I'm for Tony, all. For all. I'm Tony Chiguardo. <laughs> I'm Sven Axelrod. <laughs> and I am Rob Leonard. Oh, you don't know how to do it. <laughs> you took the Sven. I don't know any the other names. I know what it, you took when, the Sven right out of my mouth. What? Right, what oh, ew. <laughs> I didn't know Sven was, Sven was in the mouth. But by the way, what is another Swedish name? I don't know. Oh, all right. Bjorn. Bjorn. Okay. Well, Ricard. Right. Right. Uh, and what's what's Emily? <laughs> <laughs> Emily. M e m e l i e. Shlomo. Shlomo. Yes. Shlomo. Shlomo Nordstrom. Wow. <laughs> we just had the Jew going to the shop to the, to the, I, I really to the department no store. Shlomo Nordstrom. Shlomo Nordstrom. <laughs> the Jew Swedish <laughs> department store. <laughs> right. <laughs> right up there with Menachem IKEA. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That's Swedish. Ikea. Uh, Ikea. Oh, there we go. Wow. I love it. Wow. Now you know what's going to happen. Now all the people in Sweden are going to go, I love Ikea. <laughs> Either that or everybody's going to say, you guys never get to the point of the show. No, well, we, we, we don't. We're purposely so, doing this, this for you. This is a three-part episode. The first part based is just, on just the throwing around until we get to the episode. Anyway. Yeah, based on the introduction. In all seriousness, uh, this is going to be a part one, absolutely. And uh, because of the topic, you may have picked it up from my intimate about uh, using or our Facebook a, page or our Facebook <laughs> Where page. I let it out. Of course. Well, too late then. It's so, um, for those of you hearing this months in advance, you're going to go, where is it on Facebook? <laughs> or months from now, rather. But it's way down at the bottom. Just keep scrolling. Anyway. What is our, uh, to- what is our topic, Anthony? Today's episode, we are going to be, and believe it or not, we've not done this yet, talking Unbelievably. about the Beatles' eighth studio album. We are going to be talking about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and uh, it really is quite amazing that in the, uh, se- seven, what is it going now, seven years we've been doing this? six or seven this. years we have not touched yeah. on this. We have not done Sgt. Pepper. I was so. shocked when you guys brought that up. I thought this was one of our first shows. Like, no. no. I know no. we did Abbey Road was one of our first in shows. Ten in 10 minutes. Yeah, ten, yeah. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes. 10 minutes. The reader's <laughs> and, and, and I will remind listeners of this, just because in case you see us... I won't say glossing over one track in particular. Please do note that there is an entire show dedicated to the song She's Leaving Home. So, you know, we may not necessarily pour everything into that particular track but, because you well know. that's a di- well the show we did was a meaning of the track. meaning analysis yeah, yeah this but one we'll is just a, from a different perspective how, right yeah. how we like it musically sure yeah absolutely which we didn't touch really when we do the meaning stuff no, yeah well, you may be right I was yeah. just listening to that that song and and it's such a great story song well wait it's, till we get to it I know that we'll, I'm just saying I'm just saying we'll get to that literally it's the last song I heard before I ran it, into it actually studio. lends itself to the show we did yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of songs do not like why don't we do it in the road right which is not on this album but anyway <laughs> um, could have been and sir not appearing on this record <laughs> alright so this is part one of uh, what will be three parts of uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band this would be the pre prelude 
pre-premise sample of the Sergeant Pepper experience. And uh, then the second episode will end up covering side one of the album itself. And then side two and the cova. So there's a whole lot. The cova. And and also a little you know history too you know what happened afterwards and yes yeah the, well, what the that's, album yeah you know of the century yeah. or or at least is it the, really right or is it really so yeah so there's there's a whole lot of and then you'll find out how ratings to get into Sgt. Pepper obviously you've got to go back to like with any Beatles album other than please please me error you have to go back to the one that came before. And what happened thereafter, and and the the saga that was in between saga, and it was a so- saga. Thank sorry. you. And it was a saga actually in between Revolver and Sergeant Pepper. Yep. Probably more of a series of misadventures and changes than what had occurred between any other two Beatle albums. I would say. Yeah. More changes, more shifts in what the Beatles were doing, what their schedule was like, what their plans were. But but also, if you think about it, it happened so fast. If you look back from the time Revolver was released in August of 66 to June 67 when Peppers, it's it's less than a year. Yeah. And and so much yeah. happened to this band within a year. It's it's just amazing. Well, from well, what August happened. to November. Just from yeah, August to November. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, mind-boggling. And the funny thing is, you know, we we say it's a long time and in Beatleland, which we'll get into, it was a long time. It, it was. Yeah. Because but, of the normal frequency in which they released correct. things, did things. And, and the fans expected something. Sure. But, you know, we we take it for granted that now you know, Bruce Springsteen every five years, Paul McCartney every well, three or four or five years. Paul's been taking longer. Well, yeah, but he, but even at his quickest, yeah. it, it, it's never as quick as this was, right. which back then they took as a long time. This, this uh, from what I've read from that time, they thought the Beatles were over. Right. They didn't have an album out for Christmas. Of they course. had the Great Sits album in Great Britain. And then they said, well, where's where's the single? Where's the next thing from the Beatles? And of course, that ended up being Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, but you know that's something of a change. But where's the album? Where's the album? And it was it's really been two months. What's going yeah, on? I and know. it was really in all genres of music. It was really just how the the record companies operated. Yeah. You know, Sinatra was cranking out records until a certain point. Sure. When he slowed down, you know. But we're talking about Revolver coming out, the group touring, mm-hmm. obviously the Wait. very serious reality hitting home that these songs could not with the use of the current technology really be reproduced on stage right um paperback writer Wix, but they wasn't, were, Wix wasn't born so you know right. <laughs> Wix wasn't even born yet but, yeah. but if you think about paperback where they did play it it was maybe the wrong song to play they should have maybe well, that was a hit that maybe that's why they played it but rain would have been a, probably an easier song to play than paperback writer yeah but that wouldn't have been because a good of, concert show, right because song, of not right. having right bear in mind to listeners who may not realize when it comes to stage setups, you know, there were no vocal monitors. The Beatles couldn't right, hear they, right. their voices right. coming back to them. So trying to harmonize on something like Paperback Writer, you were going out there kind of bare-assed. You were, right. They did it on Nowhere Man. And they did it on Nowhere Man, yeah, sure. Which was on sure. that tour. I mean, yes, that was from technically Rubber Soul, right. but if you look at the songs they were doing from that period of Revolver, first of all, they only did... Nothing. I, I, nothing. Nothing, actually. Nothing from Revolver was well, reproduced I'm, live. Well, around 66, then, you know, Day Tripper, which was actually late 65. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I needed uh, someone, if I needed from someone from late 65. Right. 
Uh, so really, there was nothing from Revolver. No, I know, I yeah. know. I'm just saying. Well, it came out yeah. in the middle of the tour, so. Well, true but, too, yeah. but you would have thought you know it would have been possible. Nowadays, if bands do something like that, they work they, up one of the songs they, that they, they, were figure, done in the they would have figured it out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and truthfully, Revolver was the real last album that they could technically do on stage. At that moment, at, well, at that no, moment, I mean yeah. that's that at that moment. I mean, I mean that's not true. Is there any? Well, no, I guess it is true. There's really nothing you could have not done. reproduced from Pepper on stage at all. No, no, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying in terms of Rubber Soul, pretty much all of that could have been maybe the word, you know, the word. Well, that was piano. I, yeah, but piano again, stuff. John's not doing piano, right? He, so maybe, but most of it could be. Uh, the, yeah, it could have been done live. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, right. but then don't right. forget also that, that 66, when the Beatles uh, were doing Revolver, not only did they do stuff that couldn't be reproduced on stage, but, you know, there weren't uh, there weren't that many singles from Revolver. No. Well, Yellow Submarine, no, Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine Yellow That's oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in my eyes, and probably a lot of other people's eyes, you know, Revolver, and even Rubber Soul to an extent... Rubber Soul, less of an, uh, less so, but Revolver was really one of the f- first albums where the Beatles started becoming an album band. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do agree definitely, with that. I definitely, agree yeah, with because well, but you would say Rubber Soul was not. Uh, or, or there was not. There wasn't was a cognizance still, that we're doing this as a as you yeah, know I, I a fourteen a, song. You know, as much as George thing. Harrison wants to say Rubber Soul Revolver, you know, what's the difference? He's wrong. He must have been thinking wrong. He may, may not have but heard it. Cool. But think about it. They, or it was they, taken wrong. They, they were, and now all this. They were released within eight months of each other. Well, yeah, that's probably why he thinks they're the same animal. But truthfully. You know, one is that quote folk album, and one is really not. No, no. I mean, the other is an electric true. album. But well, and like you said, it is it is primarily the difference between one that is able to be reproduced right. on a stage and one that's that's not. And it's very um, it's very weird that they they chose to electrify yesterday right, for the '66 tour, yeah, right. sure. uh, but they didn't choose to rearrange anything from Revolver. I mean, you could have. I'm I'm trying to actually simplified think. something a maybe, little bit. Maybe, maybe, but. But then you could again, have simplified I Want to Tell You, but you know but, what? That's a hard song to play live. You can sing, you know. No, but don't forget. Well, that's tough, said, too, because, says, because, because what is it? it? Because there's the double lead, and so, and, you know, one's doing, I don't know if they could have done that, but maybe you're right. I mean, you're not going to, you have to consider what people want to hear. Now, the Beatles only did, you know, what, how many songs? 12? Let's just say 12 yeah, songs. 12 songs, yeah. Right, so you're not... You're not going to give them and your bird can sing or anything, even though it was used in the Beatle cartoons. And again, right. but that was a little later in the season. But I think if you were going to do something on stage, you'd do the hit from that album. And it was only Yellow Submarine, Ellen, and Rigby. And those Neither two you're not you doing. No. So right. I right. guess they really couldn't do anything. Or if, even it were, if it were the year 2005... You'd have, the, you'd, have, you'd have the group playing Yellow Submarine and telling the audience, okay, everybody, you're going to make the noises in right. the middle of the, you know, and also, be ridiculous. But the, but, the, but, but the Beatles couldn't tell the audience anything at that point. it would have just been, <laughs> yeah, but, right, right, right. And that's part of it. It's, it's almost like the Beatles are just pulling away from what they were supposed to be doing, and that's touring. And then this well, is where Revolver and, comes in. Yes, and then, yeah. Well, if you think about it, Rubber Soul to, let's say they never did Revolver. Rubber Soul to Pepper 
is is a huge, huge jump. But Revolver is sort of that stepping stone to. Well, Revolver is a bridge. I could. It's less. I. It's less I of a bridge that, that people want to yes. think. I mean, I, I much been, less. I, the, I. We've been told that it's a bridge, and I don't agree. Well, in well, a way, I, I, I don't agree. agree. In, I agree with in you, Tony, practice. and I agree I with do you, too. Rob, I agree too. With but, Rob also. But, you know, you could say, "Oh, Tamar and Eminem is only recorded," you know, but that was the first thing recorded off right, Revolver. Right. So yeah. it's not like yeah. it was the last thing in progressing. It was the first thing, and and the first thing recorded for Pepper was when I'm 64, right? Well, no, Strawberry uh, Fields. I'm right. sure well, I mean, yes, I when I'm 64 would have been yeah. the first. So you like yeah. that? Really, isn't you know, if you would have heard Paul, you know demo or whatever for when I'm 64 going that's the new progression of Beatles no that's back to you know but yeah. they hadn't done anything like that and and well again we'll get to it all but, but I, I don't th- think the bridge is, is as clear as we've been taught in our minds to have it be does yes. that make sense totally like I, all I these agree. years people have always said yeah, Revolver's the bridge, the bridge. Revolve the bridge. And, and you know what the bridge sort of leads you astray it's not well, right well, in the, the thing that Revolver is different about is that um Pepper has a sound, a lot of orchestration, different speeds on vocals and stuff. Now, Revolver had some of that, but Revolver sounded more like a rock and roll album than Pepper does. And I've always thought that that was I the agree, big difference but, but what I too. What I find interesting is both albums and their diversity, I still find Revolver to be a more coherent musical yes, statement I agree. than but Pepper is. Pepper has a, a cohesion, but it's a different sound for them. Well, yes. Because and, and, a lot of it had to do with, you know, George Martin doing a lot of orchestrations. Let's be honest, George Harrison wasn't there as much as maybe he should have been. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? I think the fact that Pepper was the first album to be written and recorded with the knowledge that we're not touring. Well, with right. the let's let's the not even say with the knowledge, the freedom, the freedom, but with the admission, yes, that yes. we are not going to be well, touring yes, anymore. Because Revolver, One, they didn't know, yes. and, and but, well, and you know what? They put on a great, maybe in the back of their in minds. the back of their minds, they knew, but maybe I, th- I maybe. think they knew because I, well, I don't think they knew they until they got the t- on the tour. I think once I got on the tour and it was the same screaming fans. I think if the tour and Philippines had... and and all these other things that happened to him on the '66 tour, which is if you look at it, is crazy. I think that if they hadn't done the tour, it would be different. Well, here's if they I hadn't done the, the tour, they would have stopped I, touring anyway. I'm no, not well, sure of that. Uh, well, wait. How about this? Be, because the tour, that tour told them, you know what? We're not getting anything out of it. I'm anymore. convinced that if the 66 tour had been an unmarked, unqualified success. There'd be no pepper. There's No. I think they're still, they still would have stopped touring. I don't, I think. Oh, I don't know. I think the horror stories made it wow we made the right decision i think the minute they were locked into another tour and the technology hadn't changed right and they didn't have monitors and the audiences were going to sound like a jet engine i think they went into that third tour, and of course i'm just speculating but i think they well, went into that third tour really knowing this is it. Well, I and think then, what happened pushed it over. Well, let you me bet. ask you a question then. Yeah, you bet. Uh, here's another speculation, but is, that's what we do. Sometimes. Yeah, Sometimes well, we well no, but I mean, let's just say that, well, you know, Lennon set the Beatles up for a bad tour with this whole 
Maureen Cleave remark. So, well, it, I mean, he, he didn't do it on purpose. No, 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 right, no, no. I'm not saying he did, yeah. but but it it sort of you know led them in there with a bad feeling, um, you know, with everybody after them in the South and all. So it wasn't going to be a great tour to begin with. But but they had already had the issues that that the, hadn't happened. Well, uh, the, the Philippines happened. The first. Philippines happened first, and Japan uh, happened before that. Yes, but, uh, and but then they get just, to the states, no, and they're like, you know, you hate Jesus, and he's no, let's just say though that the states tour had none of the remarks against it, you know, in terms of Lenin. Let's just say they, the tour went and they weren't jet engines. Let's just say maybe they were listening a little more, all right? And the Beatles were able to be heard. Think about it. If if the Christ remark hadn't happened, yeah, they, I know the, the stadiums, stadiums would have been, been fuller. <laughs> I know. But even, all right, so even if they did have jet engines and the Beatles were happy with the tour, all right? I'm not saying they'll tour again, but if they were happy with the tour, then would there have been a pepper? Yes, I think so. I th- yeah, I think I think by that yeah. point, I think the switch had been flipped. I mean, you've got to figure that you are talking about four young people who are watching the world change. When you're when you're 24, 25, 26, three months, four months. That's a hell of a long time for the world to change I, around I, you. And in Beatle history, so, four months can be tremendous. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about guys who had been playing live on stage since 1960. You're looking at seven years of nothing but playing live, and now you're at a time when you send me, you know, Brian, you're pushing me to go out on a five-month tour. Because truthfully, you got to remember, that was Brian's usefulness. Brian's most useful aspect was that he was putting the tours together. Right. So for Brian to feel useful and Brian to feel, Brian, okay, boys, another four months out, another five months out on the road. Think about how much that took away from going to to museums, dropping acid. They couldn't be the Beatles and be on the road. But would Brian have, if he had lived, because he was alive during Pepper. Right. All right. If he had lived, does he then say, okay, we're making Pepper, so to speak. And he would have talked them well, into he, occasionally no, no, doing a handful told, of live appearances. He was already told that they weren't going to do any. And, and But if you listen to some of the interviews the Beatles did in early 67 and in the middle of 67, they didn't say they weren't going to tour, but they didn't say they were. They, right. were, they, were, very ad- they, they were very shady about the whole thing. Uh, obviously, they told Brian Epstein they weren't, but they didn't tell the rest of the world yet. Well, they had, didn't want the world to forget them. Had Brian lived and had the Beatles gone through their psychedelic phase and then gone back to something like the White Album, could Brian have co- have coaxed them into doing a handful of U.S. shows? Maybe. 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 You know? Maybe. But either but te- way. But technology, you know, we, we, we say technology changed, but Pepper was done on four track. Uh, but I'm talking about not that form of technology. I, I know talking about I, having effects on your guitars and you know having your piano sound like a, a guitar or yeah. Well, you know, John yeah. did that with Revolver, yeah. right. with, with his voice. But, but you can't. But you couldn't do that on a live stage. Not you yet. I'm not worried about a live stage. I'm saying. I think. I think maybe they take a year off and then. And this is something we've talked about on the show. All of a sudden, you see all the. the Bands like the Jefferson Airplane and the Grateful Dead coming out with light shows. Yeah, and, you have the Beatles at and, the Fillmore. Yeah, and yeah. now would the Beatles go back to the Fillmore? We don't know. I mean, that's a big 
drop. But if, if they, they had gone back as Merch Bleckett, well, maybe or so well, that's that's where Paul comes in. Us. Paul yeah. says, "Let's right. let's change Just uh, the, black the name of the band, so to speak, so we can see if we can reestablish ourselves." You know, the way he was Bernard Webb at one point. Right. Right. You know, or, yeah, for right. Peter and Gordon. For, well, so, you know, we, we're looking a little bit at, at the backstory in terms of how it came well, to pass. That now that, yeah, that they are but, now off the road. But also, what album has come out that's really affected them? Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds. And that... At this point of this taping, uh, celebrating its 50th anniversary. Right, so... Right now, of this recording. That drove the band a little bit too because here's something that's totally a different album from a band that has its own but look at history. look at what we're saying though too and walked away from that style look at what we're saying though too rob we're we're taking pet sounds and pet sounds came out when may of 66 right april into may when did revolver come out I want to say it's August. Yeah, okay. yeah, they did, were yeah. recording Revolver right, right. when Pet Sounds came out. So this whole thing about Pet Sounds creating I don't Pepper agree. Yeah, I don't is agree also really not accurate. To me, well, no, it is because you gotta remember they that. Were, but wait, we have to remember they were done recording Pepper. But by, I mean, Revolver have, by the time Pet Sounds came out. But we have no. I just checked. About. I checked just, just about, about. But they weren't done yet. But we have to remember that Paul McCartney was in the studio with Brian Wilson recording Vegetables. Yes. And Paul had heard segments of what was to become Smile. Right. So it's not necessarily the Pet Sounds. They always keep saying Pet Sounds made Paul say, holy shit, what do we do now? I agree with that. Yeah. But Smile cooked his brain. Yeah, but Smile hadn't come out yet. It It hadn't come out, but Paul was one of the few people in the world who heard it. As far as Paul knew, Smile was going to be out before the next Beatles album was. So you had Paul McCartney saying, oh, sweet Jesus, he's going to put this out? I hate to say this about Smile because it's been written about forever. Pet Sounds is a better album than Smile. I think Pet Sounds is a better album. I, oh, do, I do agree with you. Yeah, I mean, but it's the same way, in hindsight, I think there were better Beatles albums than Sgt. Pepper. Absolutely. But well, had changed over the years, too. But if Smile had come out when it was supposed to have come out, right. it would have been mind-boggling. I, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. I'm, not, I'm sure. not sure of that. I, I think it would have been mind-boggling to Brian. But wait, 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 wait. To me, again, this is we're a little off topic here. Would have affected the Brits more than the U.S. No, 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 no. To me, smile was to Brian Wilson what what's the new Mary Jane was to John Lennon. Hear me out. No, 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 no. What? No, No. I I see where. No, what I'm saying is that. Brian had in his head that Smile was this phenomenal piece of masterpiece work, and my God, people have to hear it because he was whacked out of his brain. Well, the same thing with John with What's the New Mary Jane. You know, he thought, oh my God, this is so good, it has to be a single and put out with plastic over It's back. different, though, because... So I'm not so sure Smile was the... Ma- I don't like Smile. Okay. I, that's, my, I... that's my own... I'm, I'm, not, I'm right. not saying it's bad. I'm right. just saying, in my opinion, I don't enjoy it. So I'm not so sure... That it would have blown everybody's mind like Pepper did. I I'm a lover of the Smile album, but I also think that as far as musicians go, I think it would have been setting a benchmark just the way Pet Sounds did. I mean, Pet Sounds 
was not the biggest selling Beach Boys album either. It, not at all. It actually oh. bombed. It bombed. But musicians stepped back. Uh, that's like a different, the Beatles. Right. And, and I think you would have had the same thing happen with Smile. And I think that's what's applicable here, because I, I'm really just saying that when you look at the chronology, the raw chronology, Pet Sounds did come out before right. Revolver. Right. And Paul was present for the the Smile sessions. So... Paul was hearing what was going on and seeing that the Beach Boys, they said, you know, the Stones weren't the Beatles competition. The Beach Boys were the Beatles competition. In many and, ways, that's true. Yeah. And so so here the Beach Boys had freaked Paul out with Pet Sounds. And and now Paul's like, hey, but we did Revolver. And now Paul's hearing Smile and he's going, oh, good God, what the hell's going on here? So it's not that he used it as musically a stepping stone into Sgt. Pepper, but I think the idea that oh they're raised they're going to raise the bar again, ooh, you know now what? Well, yeah, I, I, maybe, I, maybe. I, one thing about Pepper and to jump ahead, Revolver. Looking back, if you look back to the actual reviews of the day, wasn't as great and as popular and wonderful as it is today. There were a lot of people who did not understand. Songs like Tomorrow Never Knows, or the s- certain sounds that they had, like the beginning, yes. even of Taxman, yeah. you know, why is it the counting like that? And, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of reviews at that time were not, you know, this is the greatest album in the world. But Mitch pointed out something today, you know, before we came in to record the show, um, and if you don't mind, but one of our listeners had made a comment to the effect that the Pepper fully encapsulated the London of of that period. Oh, definitely. Britain definitely. of that period. Definitely. So, if you look at, you know, the British reviews at the time, yeah, they're going to really pump that album up in a way, too, because it's, it it was a time capsule, besides being the piece of music that it was. It, 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 it is a time capsule. I don't want to call it a time capsule, because a lot of times when, with music, it's a time capsule. It means it's it's not relevant today. I don't think it is. Uh, well, we, we'll we will I, definitely get uh, into that. Uh, but but I, I do think it captured a time. The, whether they were trying to on purpose or not, I'm not sure. Because obviously, you know, the so-called Summer of Love, this came out in June of, of 67, June 1st or June 2nd, depending on the country. And, you know, you don't you, when you're writing in, like, February and March, you don't know what's going to happen in the summer of 67 of with, with the hippies and all that other stuff. So they captured a moment without sitting down to, let's write a song about the, the, the time, where all you need is love comes in. Because that sort of does capture yes, a time, yeah, right. and, it, and it, right. you know, it did capture that moment but much it is, better than other songs. It is interesting, though, that... You know, we talk. Well, I'll get to this later, but we talk about it as a as a capsule of the time. But I remember, and I've probably mentioned this on other shows, interviewing Marty Balin and Marty talking about the fact that isn't it Balin? Marty Balin, yeah, Balin, Balin, Saga, Saga. I always thought it was Balin, but um, Marty Balin. Marty <laughs> I would Balin. trust you. It you're depends the on fan. who you who you talk to in the band, honestly. Okay, but um, Saga. It's Marty Saga. Anyway, Saga. I was speaking to Marty Saga from from uh, Jefferson Airplane, <laughs> and Marty Epstein told me that <laughs> Epstein, um, when you were in San Francisco all through sixty, the Sa- summer of sixty-seven, San Francisco. He said, literally on the week that Sergeant Pepper came out, he said, if you walk down any road, and windows were open throughout Haight Ashbury and the whole area, he said, all you heard. With Sergeant Pepper coming out well, of the windows. Well, everybody, yeah, everybody played it, and it, it because 
and, and we'll do, again, I think we're jumping ahead, but uh, you know that time, this music was just mind blowing. As you said, smile was probably be, but I don't agree. But this, I can see, there was nothing like this album no. at the time. No, not no. At all. nothing. I mean, nothing. No. Nothing that you put it on, and and from the minute you hear the opening of the audience, you know, and the tuning up. To the last thing of even the inner groove, right. nothing no. was like I everybody. Agree. I, agree. I could imagine. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was five when this came out, and my mind was just spinning. I didn't like it because I didn't get it. I Meaning, I didn't get it because it wasn't the typical Beatles. No, yeah. it's not. But, yeah. but, can you imagine, like you said before, musicians listening to this, going, "We're done." Yeah. Put that's well, it. Put a fork in all of us. Although, when you have so, uh, situations like San Francisco. Jefferson Airplane, Grateful Dead, they used it as a motivator. Well, that's that's the other thing. They used but, it as a motivator. You know, it's funny because I, I, I have Sirius XM in my car now, and I didn't. And I bring this up because I was almost going to suggest a show where I, I listened, you know, because they give you the year after they show you the song. Right. And there's a lot of bands, whether they're bands or solo singers like the Paul Anchors, like all the... And I watch the songs from 67 on where they try to be psychedelic, even right. the Four Seasons. Right. And I'm thinking, no, it doesn't work. I mean, because they tried, so they were trying to use it as a motivator, but so many bands did not succeed That's trying to trying to at least keep up with the Joneses or the Beatles. Very few artists were able to bridge that gap. Very few unpsychedelic artists were able to do records that were interesting in any way. Nehru jackets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I could could say that I think that the Four Seasons record's interesting. There are other acts. uh, uh, Imitation Life Gazette. Genuine Imitation Life Gazette. It's I, interesting, I but it's say not that, great. But believe it or not, there were groups, and we were talking earlier. I mean, you know, Tommy James was able to put out Crimson and Clover. Yeah. And he was certainly not a, quote, psychedelic songwriter before that. Uh, you but had bands some gave like, in, though, and, like Frankie Valli, and he did Can't Take My Eyes Off. Yeah. 67. And you, and you had really strange bands doing interesting albums that actually succeeded that nobody knows about. I mean, I always say the Tokens album, Intercourse, is a great record. And it's a psychedelic record from early 68, and it works. It's a really weird little record. If you want to think of uh, you know, something we've actually done on this show, the Pisces, Pisces Aquarius, Aquarius Capricorn, Capricorn Jones, Jones Limited album. Yeah, it has, has a very psychedelic sure, pop feel. because of the Moog. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, Tommy Rowe was doing Fantasy and Now It's Winter's Day, and I, I it, must, Tommy Rowe was not a psychedelic guy. No, he was, not, he was just he was making Sheila. me dizzy. Yeah, no, dizzy was later. Dizzy was I, after I know, that. I know, you I know. know what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Pisces. I was just thinking the other day while listening to Pisces, it has a lot in common with Revolver. Do you know that yes. Pisces, the, the last song on Pisces is what? Star, da- Star Collector. Uh, yeah. Star Collector. Daily, Nightly, and then Star Collector? Star Collector, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, then my point is Moon. <laughs> I, I thought it was Daily. Moon. Moon. Oh. Oh, oh shut up. Well. All right, so we have to get back to this. August of 66... They retire from touring. Yes. Right. And then yes. November of so they don't say, announce that they keep no, it no, themselves. Yeah, they keep it among themselves. Historically, we, we, we now know that they've said we're not touring. Right. Now, 
In November, George Bulls quits. Are, uh, George wants well, to quit. He wants yeah. to quit. George wants to quit. George actually the, voices to uh, Brian I'm Epstein. A, I'm not a Beatle anymore. I'm not a Beatle anymore, and actually voices to Brian Epstein that he'd like to go. Yeah. Brian Epstein promises him no more touring. No more touring. Don't worry. And then so, in November, Paul's on a flight, which is where your Merck Black comes in. Because he claims, you know, I'm on a flight, and and, and I, I'm thinking to myself, wow, we could be a different band. And you know what? We find out very recently. Enter Merck Blackett. Yes, from 1964. A group of students from the Stockholm School of Economics who specialized in, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Come on. No, that's really what they I, are. I know yeah, what they are, but, but go ahead, anyway. tell the story. Well, the deal was that um, basically... There was this group that put together an EP in 64 in 1964 of Beatles covers. And it was Beatles covers? Yeah, they they, they did Beatles covers. It was called Merkblech Beats the Beatles. They did I want to hold your hand this boy all my loving and I saw her standing there. And they are pretty much a brass band dressed in what look uniforms. like uniforms, you know, blue uniforms. The cover. They have a drum set in front of them with the name of the group and a person lying on either side of the drum set. Let me see this. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely. They hand Paul a copy of their EP oh, in wow. 1964. In three years, or two years, yeah, and three years prior to this coming out. And who knows whether or not a copy of Merck Bleckett Beats the Beatles was hanging around in Paul's bed sit somewhere right and he looked at the cover and said wow what fun a brass band and playing ha 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 and yes now combine that with i'm on the plane and i think of the idea of this group that the beatles can be and i do like the idea and maybe it's true that the sergeant pepper's only hearts club band came from the idea that you had a lot of groups you know yeah um, doing the martha, blah 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 and the martha jo- yeah martha marshmallow and her whatever. you know sizzling overcoats or whatever you want to call them quicksilver messenger service <laughs> right. yada 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 and paul said we could become something different and, and um, we could be free to do to do whatever different. we want and and not have to be just doing the beatly sound. Now, now can I... Well, okay. I want to bring up also... So this is something that Paul's done many times, though, over the years. Well, revisionist history? <laughs> no. <laughs> but changing his name or the group that he's in. At Paul Ramone. Paul Ramone. Well, they've all w- done it. Wings, uh, the Firemen. Well, Wings, of, I don't think counts. Wings, well, wings is that's creating a new band. He's hoping, uh, he's Susie hoping, and the Red Stripes. Susie and the Red Stripes. You know, there's, yeah. there's a whole, he's done this before. The Country Hams. The Country Hams, he's, where he's changed the name <laughs> to see if it sells or it frees him to do something that maybe he can't do. Eric as, Clapton. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> as, as he, that he can't do as Paul McCartney. Edward Bear. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Running Bear. <laughs> but the guess who? He, but yeah. he's done that. He's done that many times over the years. <laughs> the Plastic Man. In the yeah. coming up video, you yeah. Know? Well, yeah. he's only done them after Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, but you know, but not like was, he but, did them prior. No, and then no, said, but you know, Rob's, we're be Rob's right though. I, it's, I, it's, it's it was it's, the way Paul's. It's definitely the way Paul's mind worked. I don't yes. think. I don't think Paul thinks to himself, "Oh, I'm going to call the group Susie and the Red Stripes because I do stuff like that." Look, I did it with Pepper. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's just that is the way Paul's mind works. Let's go incognito and yeah. you know. And do something a little yeah. different. Now, before we take a break, I'll just pose the question. You know, not touring, going uh, going in and working six months, using another name, did that all make it their best album? Hmm. We'll take a break on Merck Bleckett Beats the Beatles. 
which is better known as Fab for all. Four. Free for all. <laughs> Mark Blickett's all. And we'll be back in a moment. Hi, folks. This is Tony from Fab Four Free For All. As Mitch has mentioned several times, the cast of Fab Four Free For All do not profit in any way doing these shows for all of you. In fact, we actually lose money because of studio time and other production expenses. Now, we have looked into show sponsors, but for a number of reasons, we've decided it would be in the best interest of all of us, including you, our listeners, not to have sponsored ads in our shows. So, what we've done is set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows artists to obtain funding from patrons on a recurring basis. Now, it can be as little or as much as you think you can send to us for the work that we put into providing quality Fab Four free-for-all shows. Now, we know that we have thousands of worldwide listeners, and if each of you just contributed a dollar a month, that's just 25 cents per episode, we would have enough to retire and not have to do these shows. <laughs> Sorry. Seriously, though, we've gotten some great feedback from everyone about how much these shows mean to you, and we feel the same way. But it would be nice if we could break even in terms of cost so that we can continue to bring these shows to you in a timely fashion. Yeah, I know, we can be delayed every once in a while, but that's because, as John Lennon so beautifully said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. But we do vow to make every effort to have a quality show to you every week. We only ask that everyone go and visit Patreon.com to at least check out what it's all about and to see if you can contribute a little something in return for all the hard work and effort that we put into these shows for you. Just do a search for Fab Four Free For All and tell us that you give a buck about what we do. Thanks to all of you for being such great loyal listeners. And we're back on... Merkbleckett for all. <laughs> Merkbleckett for all. And we were talking about the Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band album. Um, the sessions really start with a, a bunch of songs that are... Well, I, I just want to mention one more thing, which we should have mentioned in the last part. That each Beatle basically took off. John went to Good point. Uh, do right. How I Won the War, right. which right. he really didn't have a big role in it, but... Well, no, what do you mean he didn't he have, did a, big have role a big role in it? Not, not have a, you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah I mean, he yeah, had the second he, biggest role in the film, really, next to, mm, Mar- next to the Michael puppet. Crawford. Okay, okay. <laughs> next I, to the puppet. I, I, I'll, I'll say, but I, I don't think it was a big as, you know, you expect to No, it wasn't a big role in the film, because it's really Michael Crawford's Yeah. Well, it film. is Michael Crawford's film, and it's too. Paul does a Family Way soundtrack, which right. George Martin orchestrates. Uh, George goes to learn how to play sitar. Right. Ringo goes to visit John on the set, and right. yeah, and John and Ringo sort of just hangs out with the kids and but, but the and then he goes to visit John on the right. set, and but it's important because John had a lot of downtime, right? And that's where he wrote Strawberry oh, Fields Forever, right? So, wrote Strawberry Fields Forever. Yeah, he wrote it because yeah, as you said, he was bored on the set. And, I was just right. saying, maybe feeling a little homesick, maybe yeah. at the same time. Um, but where I'm going is, Paul's got this idea. Okay, the idea came before the, those three songs, or did the idea come after those three songs? Well, his idea came in November of '66. Okay. Then they start December of '66. So they started November recording 24th. in uh, yeah, well, very close. Yeah, twenty fourth November. Okay, so Paul gets this idea, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. Believe me, I hope so. Paul gets this idea of being a different group, but yet the first three songs that the group chooses to record are fairly personal 
Okay, when I'm 64 is kind of like Paul wrote, supposedly started as one of his first songs, yeah, right? Yeah, when he was 15 or 16. Um, I'm sure he didn't have anything about digging the weed in there. No, but just doing the weed. Started it when he was when he was a kid. Um, Strawberry Fields Forever is a very personal song but that's for John. John. Uh, Penny Lane is is a personal song for Paul because it's it's his observations and it's obviously through his perspective. That comes out as a single, does not make number one. Well, not okay. in the state. Not in the, right. And there's all the talk of you know are the Beatles finished? Blah blah blah. Et but but, but you, I think you're glossing over the whole fact that you know the Beatles went into the studio, and that's why when that when you see the interview, that black and white interview oh, yeah, on right. Abbey Road steps right, right, right. or EMI steps, whatever, and they. They come up and and you know they say we, we're not leaving it we're, we're recording now and it was almost like that you know wait till you hear what's coming out from us you yeah know, that, that is true so that is true that I mean the important. Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields that was a choice by George Martin to put out the single because everybody was pressuring them. No, I was going to say it wasn't something. really a choice. It was a lot of pressure. Well, yeah, but I mean, well, it, the record company said we need something. Right. We, we need right. something, something from, from you. And it wasn't like at that point in their lives they were going to go in and bop out two more Larry Williams covers. No, at that point it was different. You're they right they weren't going to do that. Well, no. that's because they when they went into the studio this time for Pepper, they knew they weren't going to have to reproduce these on stage and they had that freedom. Now, let, now let me just throw this out and talk about speculating, but I just said that as a joke. It's the first time I've ever thought that. What if they were getting a whole bunch of pressure and and somebody went back and said, you know, Hey, uh, you know, George, we, we've, we've got, uh, I don't know, we got um, Leave My Kitten Alone that they did like a year ago. Yeah, I know what's this up, but you know, like just throw, they want something, just give them something for friggin' Christmas. I don't think the Beatles would have done that. I don't think the Beatles, would, think have the done Beatles would have done that. You know, the, Knowing what they were doing now. You know what that reminds me of? What? Teardrop City by the Monkees. When they released that, they needed yeah. a single, and they took Teardrop City, they sped it up, and they released it. It was a song from 66, 66. and this was 68, yeah. or 69, whenever 16, it came out. I think, yeah. So, to me, that's the Monkees, and we all love the Monkees. I think at that point, you know, the stuff that was in the can for the Beatles wasn't a lot, but it was, was irrelevant. It was, was outdated, but it was, very it irrelevant. Was for them, yeah. you know, some other I'm, band. That's why I'm just, just throwing that as speculation, that the, a stopgap single... There wasn't anything. Really. Nothing, That's nothing. why wasn't they said, you know what? So this it, is this probably these these two songs right. probably wouldn't have fit on Pepper anyway. No, they would have. It was bad enough that you know for Christmas of '66 that the bonus track was was a Larry Williams cover was Bad Boy. Right. You know the bonus track on the uh, collection of collection Beatles oldies. Yeah. You know, again, which represented nothing of what the Beatles were sounding like in 1966. No, but they but, were allowed for the first time ever to release a greatest hits album in Great Britain. Right. And actually right. the States too, which they didn't, didn't happen, but it could have. Uh, and second of all, it sort of puts a nice end to the Beatles. You know, we, we think 62 well, to 66. Well, it's their 62 to 66, right? It's, it's, it's the original. That. Yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, that at the time. You know, I mean, it's, it's really very, it's, it's symbolic, but it's also from right. a musical standpoint, very relevant too. Yeah. I and mean, that's the end of that period musically, in a way. But you're right. I mean, I, I didn't mean to gloss over, no, 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 uh, you know, uh, day in the life. But I'm saying... Not there, a day in the life. Uh, no, sorry. Penny I didn't mean to gloss over Field. Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields, but they also come out accompanied by these two incredibly psychedelic, well, one incredibly psychedelic promo film. 
Right. Or, or uh, well, you know. it's everybody said it's the new far out Beatles. That's, right. That actually was a headline. Right. Right. So in here they are. Magazine, I believe. Strawberry Fields doing the you know painting the piano and and the close ups of the eyeballs and the, the backwards you know films backwards and... film and all that kind of weird stuff. Penny Lane a little more straightforward, but still they're in the weird outfits. They've got the mustaches. Oh my! All right. Well, so it was a different Beatles. Yes. It was. Yeah. So in a way. To me, Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane was like the primer for Pepper. Yes. Uh, The world was being primed for Pepper, essentially. Which which wasn't that much further away. No. When did Strawberry Fields and and Penny Lane come out? February 67. Exactly. So you're talking only four months later. Four months. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's not a long time. No. It may be a long time between single and album for the Beatles, but as far as now, it's not. But even then, I mean... You could imagine what the public was thinking. Let's, you know. Well, they went with the two strongest songs. Yes, you know, that's and, the A and B and, side. Well, A and A is a double well, A. and A, you're right. And yeah. it, it, that was treated differently, too. In Great Britain, they didn't have picture sleeves, and they had a picture sleeve for that, which was the same one used in the States. That's right. With the kid, that's right. kid pictures yeah. of the Beatles. Yeah, for well, because Lane. of the tone the, of the, the two right, songs. The content of, of both songs. Right. So I think that was part of it. You know, here's, here's the setup. You know, you got the Beatles with the mustaches on one side, and the other side you have them with, you know, as babies. It's a, it's sort of a setup for Pepper. We don't know this at the time, but it's sort of that cover leads into the cover of Pepper in sure. many ways. And then on, on the bottom it says, thank you to Merck Bleckett. <laughs> yes, it did. Help with Merck Bleckett. But I, I think, you know, if you if you look at the, the way those two songs are recorded, and with When I'm 64, which was also the third song that could have been part of it, why not choose When I'm 64 as the B-side? Then what song do you choose for the A side? That's why George Martin. Well, it would have been it probably would have been Strawberry Fields. <laughs> probably as the A side, but but Penny Lane was Penny a strong Lane song, was, and I think by making it a double A side, it, it said a lot for the Beatles at the time. It said a lot for the production. Well, Penny Lane and, is about a minute or so shorter than Strawberry Fields. Yes. yes. What about an EP? But Penny, what about a three-song EP? Why Penny you know? Lane but then you need another song. You need a fourth song. Mm, song. Yeah. Penny Lane yeah. was. Much more in the Beatle vein than Strawberry Fields. Yes, it is. It yes. was more of a pop song yes. than yeah. Strawberry well, Fields, which was just not. I mean, it was a pop song, but it, of course, but it's not that same Beatle-y. But, I mean, Strawberry Fields was really out there. Out if there. you're if you're a Beatle fan in that era, yeah, you know, guess. you're you're putting that on, and right away from the Mellotron, which you've never heard before. You know, especially well, even just rhythmically. Dun, 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 right. Well, dun, it's a nice dun, bouncy. Dun, give me a C, dun, a bouncy yeah. C. Well, yeah, well, you absolutely. know, Penny Lane was definitely a Beatles song. Strawberry Fields was not at the time. The thing about Strawberry Fields is, I think it also was a bit of a bar raiser for them as as musicians too, a little bit. I don't it think so. A, I well, think it, it was more for George bit. Martin. I think it was yeah, a lot of points. It, it was the production. Ringo's drum work, not that Ringo's drum work wasn't always amazing. Well, I mean, you had Ringo's drum work on Rain. But it was recorded differently, too. You have Jeff Emmerich in there recording things a little bit different than Norman Hurricane Smith did. Yes. And I think that was part of it. A big part of it. You know, that they're getting different sounds from the way Jeff Emmerich worked. Now, you know, we've heard different stories over the years, but there's no doubt that his work as an engineer really helped the Beatles change. You know, he was first on, on Revolver, but then... You know, he comes on to Pepper, and it becomes a bigger sound and a different sound, and the way he mic things. I think that helped a lot too. I think I think you're right about Penny Lane, which probably would have been if you're going to choose a double A versus A. 
yeah. it'd probably be Penny Lane as a more straight ahead song. But the production on it is so different than anything they had done before. Well, that's the other thing. That's, that's they, where it, even though it's a typical quote Beatles song, it's different sounding. Yeah, you had that that piccolo trumpet in there, and yeah. you know, this yeah. whole other thing going on there too. Well, but it, had it been an anomaly, it would have just been accepted I into agree. the Beatles catalog. I agree. It, but the double A side, but Strawberry Fields wouldn't. No, and, and but even I don't know. Even Strawberry Fields had it been an anomaly, and had they not gone where they went after. It, it would have been a really well, strange put, anomaly, uh, but it would have been, you know. No, you can't put out Strawberry Fields and then put out even Revolver again, because that's it's, a really it's interesting a step point. Backwards. You're right. Now you're right. You're right. As as a, as a double A sided right. single, it, you, it said so much for the Beatles. It said a lot in hindsight. Well, at the also time, said the time because it was well, a whole well, different it, sound. but it may have said the wrong thing at the time. I, I still remember. Yeah, you know, we've all seen the I American bandstand footage. Yeah, of, they, they look, they like, look like, like my grandfather. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying about it is that although now we say, "Oh my God, that was the single," that was the bridge to Pepper. I mean, if you really think of about course, it. Of course, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the, the more direct bridge. Well, but if you, was, but, well was, Strawberry Fields. It was already, the, you were already across the bridge when they started. Well, yeah, but they didn't know that. I mean, they, they, were, they were recording when I'm 64, which is not the bridge. No. Right. You know, right. Pepper, really, if you think about everything that we've talked about, really, Strawberry Fields is that lead-in to Pepper. Not Penny Lane, because Penny Lane was more the Beatles song. Production-wise, it was. But Penny Lane could have been on Revolver and been okay. I mean, they had Good Day Sunshine, which is the yeah. same bouncy yeah, type of song. Yeah. And it would have been accepted. And so there you were put horns, Strawberry Fields on Revolver. On Revolver. There are, but not, not that not, not no, arrangement. Not that arrangement, but there are plenty of horns on Revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, if Penny Lane was on Revolver, okay, then I would say that Revolver was the bridge to Pepper because production-wise, you're, you're moving up. Well, let me throw something else really crazy out there, speculation-wise, and, and then uh, we'll go back to our regularly scheduled facts. But um, What facts? 66, they're getting pressured to put something out, and uh, essentially there's blowback from the Beatles. They say no. <laughs> so it's collection of Beatles oldies, for your Christmas present, no forty-five. No, no. Now, what that means? But you got a fan club forty-five. True, but what that means now is, and I, I really genuinely don't know this because I don't know the chronology. Whatever the last three songs that were recorded for Pepper may never have happened for Pepper. You may, you would have gotten Pepper with maybe Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields, and only a Northern song. Because wow. if the bar hadn't been raised yet again with Pepper, would only a Northern song have been deemed, quote, worthy enough to be on the record? I don't think so. I think only a Northern song was uh, even I, more I actually, far out than... I agree. I, was, I, I love only a Northern song. I didn't say it was bad. No, but, but, but they I know deemed it saying. not worthy. George Martin said Pepper. to George Harrison, eh, you know, this is okay. But if you listen to the sound of the that song, it fits onto Pepper very well. Very well. I think the sure. lyrics were. But when was it recorded? It was recorded during the middle. During of the, the sessions. middle, of the middle of Pepper sessions, right in the middle. And then they did "Within You, Without You" after. Yeah, they they bounced that one, and he did "Within You, Without You" to replace it. I right, I right. think and, only know. a Northern song is is fits very well onto 
Sergeant Pepper. I I think the the lyrics were considered more of a throwaway. Though if you listen to them now, they're they're definitely not throwaway lyrics. Not at all. Especially if what what George Harrison was going through. Right. It's right. very much about George Harrison, though he's sort of singing it in in another person yeah. almost. Now again, that brings something else home for me. Here the Beatles put out record these three very kind of personal songs. Okay, granted, when I'm 64 is a little fluffy and a little, you know, but what happens after that? I mean, I'm I'm taking Pepper as a whole. We're going to go over each song individually. We're going to talk about, but what happens? Why is it that they can do these three really personal tracks and really kind of like reach out? And why is it that for me, one of the things that debilitates Pepper is that it's the first time that the Beatles are completely not using first person. There's no there's, there's no you're right and there's not a lot of love songs on here. There are no love, love songs. songs, there's no personal exploration. It's all exactly why the Paul decided to be Merck Bleckett. It is it is and because it's also, they, they they didn't have to be the Beatles. Right. Typical but, love songs and, and all that stuff. They could do whatever they wanted. But you know what? You could you could write a psychedelic song that starts with you know, I feel like throwing my, you know, my shoe at the flying saucers on the wall, baby. And it's you starting with. As long with, as I love you. No, but you're still starting with I. I, I you know the what I think. The problem with if you listen to Sgt. Pepper, unlike every other record the Beatles had done before that, other than fixing a hole, Which and I'm fixing a hole. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in. Other than fixing a hole, and obviously within you, without you, which is very personal to George. Sgt. Pepper is the most impersonal Beatles record that exists of all the records. I think a lot of the album is observational. Yes. Uh, Good morning, good morning, though. To me, is John Lennon being observational about John Lennon in a a third person, which he normally didn't do, and, and a year later wouldn't do? Because you know he meets Yoko and everything is is a whole different style of his songwriting. But Good Morning, Good Morning is about a bored person. At yeah, that sure. time, John, John was Lennon was very bored. And I guess, you know, getting better all the time can't get much. I mean, but getting better to me never struck me as just all that meaty. I mean, and we'll get to it. It never struck I, me as I, all that serious. It's I, it's I think it's very serious. It's it's just it's a different album. It's it's not it's not personal. It's not a personal album, which may be why people like um, all the other ones may be a little better now. Did that make it more universal? I mean, am I, am I missing the point? Is the sense that that album was not so personal, did that create the universality that well, made everybody embrace it so much? Well, you know, uh, I mean, according to Barry Miles, Lennon resented you know McCartney taking direction in the band. And also, Lennon himself, other than Strawberry Fields, Said he was supplying songs made for order, but he, not from the heart I, like I, Revolver. I think he's full I, of crap. I think he's full of crap too. But you want to know why? <laughs> but but that, because who's he, full of crap? Lennon or Miles? Lennon. Lennon. Oh. <laughs> because he. I think Lennon's full. Of crap. Looking back at that quote, which is probably from eighty or or, or seventy or whenever, he wrote "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds" based on a, a thing his kid drew. He wrote "A Day in Life" from from the newspaper article. He good wrote morning, "Good Mornings" from a commercial. If he wants to say he was being lazy, Mister. It's from a poster. poster. So truthfully, think about it again. There's another sign of complete impersonalness. Right. One song's from a poster. But those are songs made for order then. But, but whose made... fault is that? It's no, not Paul saying no, no, he for him say, to do it. No, he said, no, no, two different things. He said, 
he resented Paul taking direction of the band and also himself for being, quote, like that laziness and making only songs made to order but instead of when you apply songs made to order, that's what that John means is, is that, it's not that mother. Paul, it's right, not mother. Right. right. What, and, and it's also yeah. it's also implying when you say if if you say to me. I'm doing this show to order. It doesn't mean that you're being lazy in the show. It means I've told you how to behave or or act during the show. Uh, That's what. I, so if Lennon's implying, I think in that statement that well, Paul told me, "Hey, John, why don't you write a song about?" Bleh. Or, you know, we need one like this. And I think that's a load of crap. It's not I like don't Brian Epstein was... said, came in and said, well, we need a song for Billy J. Kramer this week. Right, bad to me. Right. Well, right if anything, right George had it right because George said that he did, he thought the band wasn't allowed to play as a band that much. Right. And that I could see as a that's problem. Different. That's different. But, but the idea of writing songs to order, I think, uh, again... John was a late. The Maureen Cleave interview. Back to that again. Maureen Cleave basically says John Lennon, your favorite performer, is a lazy piece of shit. Like that's the whole gist of the but, article. But, but the history is how lazy John is. He sleeps all day. Got him only sleeping. Right. The history of John Lennon. Two things. On almost every Beatles session where they start a new album, John Lennon's the first one to have put the song out. It is literally, John, if you go back to Revolution 1 uh, for White Album, this, this was Strawberry Fields, was this sure, session. Sure. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows for Revolver. It was always John's song first, so he was full of crap. Second of all, John worked better under pressure. If you said John would go into the studio next week, he would start writing. He would write part things. He would finish up when he knew he had a deadline. If you look but, at the history of his songwriting, think I of, the, agree with you. Think of yeah. a Double Fantasy. He goes down to Bermuda. He had parts of songs all over the place, but he knew he was going to the studio when he came back, and he comes back with everything in order, the way it was going to be recorded. That's the way John Lennon worked. But He, he claimed he, he hated Paul for being bossy, but he needed someone to say, come on, we're going into the studio. Ringo said it in Living in the Material World. He said if it wasn't for Paul pushing us, we wouldn't have recorded half those Absolutely. albums. So, but, but that always bothers me a little bit about John. But what? Can, wow, we get a rant from Rob tonight. Well, it's Our not a rant. It's a good rant. It's a semi rant. It's a semi rant. You're, you're the rant. But but where where? <laughs> don't you forget it? Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, but, um, I didn't get a rump out of you. A rump. But <laughs> an, anyway, I, and I I agree with everything you just said there. But it's also the idea that did laziness really set in? But John always took his stuff from other people's comments. She said, she said, but There's always a here it is, you know, a poster, a serial commercial, uh, you know, it's hysterical. You know, the newspaper, newspaper. article, yeah. Um, the picture that, that Julian drew, everything of John's the LSD, on that record. The Julian dropped. <laughs> the, the LSD, yeah. Part of that to me is is the acid. You're being heightened by these things. Oh, the poster. Ooh, wow. You know, I fall into the poster and then I'll write a song. Ooh, you know, which is cool. He did it well. You know, but don't say I'm doing songs to order. Don't don't say that. Nah. That, that, that Not the case. No, well, he no. said it for uh, Abbey Road, too. And well, there he might have been. But <laughs> there he might have been. But those, was, well, a lot of those songs he had written there. in yeah. January of 69, and then they, they made the medley. He was part of that medley. I know. You know, he says, well, you know, it was all Paul's idea. Yeah, well, look at all the songs. They're yours. Right, they're yours. <laughs> so Anyway, all right. So um, we've sort of gotten to the point now where the single's been out, and now they really kind of, they don't have to start from scratch. They have... But, when I'm 64 in the can. But it's interesting they'd but, already said that we're not going to include these two songs on the album. 
You know, right. at that point, you know. Well, they never released they never did. singles on well, albums. Sometimes they did. You know, re- well, uh, Ticket to Ride was an advance, wasn't it? Help. Was Ticket to Ride an yeah. advance from Help? Eight Arms to Help You. Uh, eight, eight, eight Arms to Help, help, help You? Eight wow. Arms to hold it's you. late, folks. But Eleanor Rigby and Yellow Submarine were on Revolver. That, that came out at the same time. They did have specific. It wasn't customary, put it that way. They, they, they had done it. Yeah. But they right. already knew that right. these, these two songs weren't going to be right. on it. Let's play Placement. Let's say these two songs were on Pepper. Oh, and no, Pepper, we can't do that. And Pepper was left the way it was. Where do you put it? That makes no sense. What do you mean? I mean you can't have Pepper be the way it was and add two more songs. Sure, because the no, reprise you can't. Is, is a minute and you a can't, half. You can't. It's, it, a 13, it it's a 13 album. It wouldn't happen. 13 song album. It wouldn't happen. Well, I'll tell you where I would put it. Strawberry Fields, End Side One, Penny Lane, Start Side Two. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's but it, it, but it, 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 they wouldn't have just... Time-wise, they wouldn't have done it. F- oh, I disagree 15. with you on that because within you, without you, has to start side two. Sorry. Oh yeah, true too. Yeah, what well, can you do? Penny Lane into within you, without you? It's a little funky. Well, Maybe well, the other way around. Within you, without you, into Penny Lane works, but Penny Lane into. Maybe. Okay, I mean, I you, when you're on. when you're tripping and you get, nice. and you're like, oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm peeking. Okay. Um. All right. You need that. And actually, you know, Pep, you're right. Penny Lane would go into when I'm 64 a little better. Yeah. All right, so with that in mind, we've kind of taken you up to when Sergeant Pepper in full is really going to begin. We can call it the pre-Pepper prelude. Preamble. Preamble. And uh, the P1. starring Merck Bleckett. And um, we will be back next week. You realize Merck Bleckett's going to go up the charts now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It'd be like, it's going to come out on CD. This concludes part one of our Sergeant Pepper uh, right up this part one of three, as we uh, uh, as we like to do long damn shows. We like to do long parts. damn shows. No, but you know we can't make it a two and a half hour show, folks. No. And and the, the only choice is to break it up a bit logically. So we've done the pre show. Next week it'll be part one, and then after that part three. Part one saw the orchestra. What are you, the volume, the traveling Wilburys? <laughs> what I say? Part one and part three, you said. No, I, I'm sorry. You did. Next week will be part two, which will be side one. And if you're confused, think about how I feel right we now. We all are. Wow. Yeah. All right. For now, I'm Tony Chiguardo. I'm Sven Axelrod. I am Rob Leonard. And we'll see you very soon. Merdy hurdy. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. I just figured I'd use my deep voice. <laughs> Mitch's voice has changed finally. It's But I haven't had the growth spurt. <laughs> I'm still waiting. But my testicles are down to my ankles. Nice. <laughs> it's a free-for-all. Baby. How long did we spend on that? Uh, 35 minutes, 40 minutes. Okay. All right, all right. Can I have one of those just to no. taste it? Yeah. yeah. Shut up. Just one. Just give me one. One? I want one. Oh. You gave me two, you bastard. Two, you bastard. Mark, you bastard. It looks like freeze-dried throw-up. Oh, it is. That's true. That does look like that. That's a good point. What flavor is this? Vegetable and popcorn. Popcorn vegetable. No, really what? Popcorn vegetable. Really? All right. Mm. 
we're doing our impression. Of oh, no, Paul- but that's the, that's the company, I think. We're doing our impression of Paul McCartney on vegetables. <laughs> oh, God, help us. <laughs> Paul McCartney on vegetable. I'm crunching. Jump, 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 jump. Look at me, I'm crunching. <laughs> hey, like this, Brian. Chomp, chomp, chomp. No, no, Paul. I, I can do it better. I got sandbox. You want to come play? Uh, no, not today. No, thanks, Brian. It's all right. No, yeah. No. I'll, I'll, Get him another carrot then. I'll, I'll pass. Um. I'll pass. All things must pass. I'm going to be passing this carrot in a couple of hours. Well, Paul, that's cool. I can. Oh, vegetables! <laughs> And then I bury it in the sandbox. <laughs> I can't wait to invite Ringo over. <laughs> There's a tag. <laughs>